Good morning, church. Uh, if you do not know me, my name is Samuel Mock. I'm the director of Next Gen and Streaming Ministries here. Um, and I have the honor of closing out our Connecting with God series. Before I start, though, I'd like to start with prayer. So if you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, this opportunity, uh, and this season as we remember your son, as you remember what he did for us as he sacrificed himself uh, so that we may be in connection with you, Lord, no longer being uh, seen as enemies but as sons and daughters, Heavenly Father. Would you prepare the hearts of your people? Would you prepare my heart as well uh, for what you want to say to us? I thank you, and all glory goes to you, Heavenly Father. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When I was given this opportunity, I thought, what could I say to God's people on this day? I wanted to say something new, something fresh, a new revelation. And God said to me, my people don't need a new revelation. They need a reminder. I said, okay, God, what are you talking about? He said, you want something new. What's newer than my mercies that renew for you every morning? You want something fresh? Well, what refreshes like the forgiveness of sins? So as I wrestled with God, he had me in an arm bar. Of course I lost. He's strong. Been here a long time. He's been working out a lot longer than me. But I thought, okay, God, well, you're going to have to show me what you're talking about. So he pointed me to a verse that was familiar to me, John 3, 16 through 18. I'll give you a moment to flip to it, um, or it'll also be on our screens. It says, For God so loved the world, gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So God told me to talk about his gospel, which I feel like is fitting as we've been in a series on connecting to God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God who died to pay for our sins so that whoever submitted to him, Christ Jesus, as Lord and Savior would be forgiven of those sins and become sons and daughters of God. So what are your thoughts on this gospel? Are we moved by the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? The rescue plan that God has set forth in place from the beginning of time? The bridge between the perfect God and sinful man, that's the perfect son on the cross for our sins. What would our lives look like if we were appropriately moved by the gospel? How would that change our day? I think it looks something like this. I think every waking moment of our lives would be consumed by God's love. We would be filled with a zeal that didn't run out. Yet I can say for myself, it's simply not the case. What about you? 
is every decision that we make in reverence of God or relevance of self. I know that for me, it's often the latter. I think about what I want, what's presently affecting me, a lot more than how I can impact God. When I go to work, I do it to keep a job, to keep food on the table, not because I want to honor the Lord with my work. And if you haven't figured out by now, I work at a church. So <laughs> when I'm nice to people, it's because I want them to like me. I want to have friends. Everybody wants friends. But I don't do it because I want to honor God with my interactions. It's not my, that's not my first thought. I'm not doing it to be the hands and feet of God nine times out of ten. In a year consumed with COVID, I focused more on how COVID has affected me than how I could make impact for Christ. And I don't believe I'm the only one. In fact, that's the reason that we have our confession every morning, every Sunday morning. COVID is certainly a curse, but it's also giving things to us. Um, COVID has given us more time than ever. Many of us, for the first time ever, have the opportunity to work at home, receiving back our commuting time. For most people, that's around 30 minutes a day. Was that time spent sleeping in or connecting with God? The same thing goes for students. They're no longer uh, going to the school bus. Instead, they're clicking onto laptops, which takes only a moment. Was that time spent connecting with God, or was it sleeping in, playing your favorite game? In a period of time where restaurants were closed, along with other venues for some time, we stayed indoors more than ever. Did we use that time to draw near to God? We've never had to be more intentional with our time, no more intentional with the people that we hung out with. We had to be very selective because we didn't want to be exposed to COVID. In that time, did we pick people that made us feel good, our best friends, people that we could come around and laugh with, or did we pick people that we knew needed to hear the message of Christ, people that we could make impact for, people that we could help to become who God is calling them to be? I found that most of my time, if I'm honest, it was spent entertaining myself. Rather than engaging others for Christ, am I the only one? Again and again, I've put myself before my Savior. Again and again, I've put luxuries before my Lord. Statistics show that this is the average. In fact, Netflix itself uh, has had 15.77 million subscribers added to their added to their streaming process in the first three months. Just the first three months. From April to June, it was 10.9 million giving the company its biggest growth spurt in the history. Total consumer spending on video games in the U.S. was record-breaking, reaching $11.2 in only the third quarter. That's a 24% increase compared to last year. So then why are we so disconnected? Disconnected from God and his mission. Why are we so focused on ourselves rather than focused on God? Well, I believe the answer is simple. The gospel has become plain to us. We've grown used to the gospel 
a lot of us, even if we grew up in churches, we think of the gospel as Christianity, my bad, Christianity 101. Instead of thinking of the gospel as a fundamental. Let me explain what I mean. Christianity 101, we consider it as the starting point. And yes, while everything starts at the gospel, for the difference is that a fundamental, uh, fundamental is defined as something that is necessary, base, and of central importance. You see, we know that the gospel is where it starts, but do we see it as central importance to our life? When I think about fundamentals, I think about athletes, because I grew up as one. The greatest athletes of all time, you could argue about who it is, but I'd like to honor Kobe Bryant. Uh, there's Michael Jordan, LeBron James. These are three that even if you don't like sports, you know the names. And particularly, I want to point out one athlete, however, uh, who was later on a coach. He was saturated in fundamentals. His name is John Wooden. For those of you who don't know him, he's a head coach in the NCAA. He won 10 NCAA championships. He had a legendary coaching record of 66, sorry, 664 wins and 162 losses. That's over 80% winning rate. When I say he understood fundamentals, uh, he understood fundamentals to such a great degree that he had his players practice putting on their socks. Now, put yourself in the locker room for a moment. You've worked your whole life to get to this moment. You're ready to play the game that you love. You're sitting there with your new teammates. Your heart's beating, waiting for the coach to come in. He walks in, he says, all right, boys, shoes and socks off. I'd be like, does this dude got a foot fetish? And then he says, today we're going to practice putting on our socks, something that you've probably been doing on your own since you was at least three, right? I'd be insulted. I'd be like, how dare this guy come in here I played basketball for how long? And now he wants me to practice putting on my socks? I think that's how we can respond when we're Christians and told the gospel. Told to look to the gospel. I already know the gospel. I've known the gospel my whole life. I've been a Christian forever. That's how I can respond when somebody tries to share the gospel with me. I've been a Christian since I was 13. But yet, any time the gospel is shared, I think we should pay attention. Because our whole life should be surrounded with it. See, what Wooden knew is that a wrinkle in the sock could actually cause a blister. That blister would affect the way a player performs. And so while it seems insignificant or something that they would have already known how to do, the smallest little chink in the armor would affect the way they play. In the same way, we should give that much attention that he put into putting on socks to the gospel. Something that we're familiar with, but something that we can never outgrow. You see, because in the same way that putting on a sock affects the way that a player plays the game, the gospel affects the way that we love one another, the way that we love God, the way that we think the way that we do all things. And if we're not paying attention to the gospel and letting it consume our life, then it's not affecting 
the way that we do things. You could say that this message on the gospel is the shoes and socks of connecting with God. Nobody would ever say in this culture, no one would ever say it, but I think as Christians, a lot of times we look at the gospel and we think, I got that part down, now I'm going to move to spiritual gifts. You know, I'm a really good teacher, that's what I want to do. Or maybe we move to uh, sanctification. You know, I got that one sin problem that I really want to work on. And then we get consumed by those things. Whichever one it is, man, I really want to serve. Or I really just got to work on this one thing and then I'm going to be good. But it starts at the gospel. See, no one would ever say it that we think that we could go beyond the gospel. But I think in a culture that emphasizes advancement, it's the way our brains are wired. You see, our culture emphasizes the bigger house, the next pay raise, saving time at the grocery store uh, by picking up your groceries, someone delivering them to you. We're always looking for that next new thing. You can see this with a child on Christmas. We just spent Christmas with our families. If you had an opportunity to see a child open a gift for the first time, you see how their eyes light up. They're like, oh, I wanted this so bad. I've been watching videos of the kids who get PlayStation 5s. I didn't get one myself, so I lived through them. And uh, I just watch them. They're so excited. And then, just like me when I was a kid, I got my GameCube. And it was the best thing back in the day until the next thing came out. And I think that's how we are with the gospel. When you first experience that moment where Christ's sacrifice hits your heart, it's the best thing. It changes your life. You tell everybody about it. I remember telling all my cousins. They was like, dude, you're weird. I was like, you don't understand. Now, I just saw them. I didn't even mention the gospel. I remember when I used to get a new pair of shoes. That was a big deal for me. We didn't have a ton of money, and I would curl my toes up like this to keep them from creasing. I took that much care with those shoes until they creased. Then I was on to the next pair of shoes. Our minds are set on advancement. But one thing we can never advance past is the gospel. It fuels everything we do. So what is the appropriate response? How do we respond appropriately to the gospel? Well, with that in mind, have you ever seen somebody who's in love? I'm talking that early love stages or someone who's madly in love and held on to it for years. They talk about the significant other all the time. They're excited about them. They think about them regularly. They live in a manner that considers the one they love. If you know me, you've heard me talk about my girlfriend, Liz. Talk about her all the time. Uh, and I do things that I wouldn't naturally do because I love her. An example would be flowers. 
Now, me personally, these look nice. I'm not saying nothing about our church's flowers. Don't send me no emails. But I would never buy flowers for myself. It's just not for me. They're going to die in a couple weeks, and it's money down the drain. I'm just being honest. Now, Liz, she loves flowers. Her face lights up when I buy them for her. And I would never buy them for myself, but I'll buy them for her. Why? Because I love her. I don't enjoy home projects. In fact, after a long work week, I'm ready to sit down on the couch and enjoy some good TV. Some Netflix, in fact. Her, though, she's like, ooh, I want to work on this. We should hang this up. I'm like, look, I don't make you do all this when you come to my house. But for you, I'll do it. I'll hang up some pictures. And it takes a long time. She wants to level it out. Then she's like, actually, nope, let's move it. It doesn't look good there. To me, that seems like overtime. And I'm thinking, are these billable hours? But I'll do it because it makes her smile. And for me, that makes it worth it. It's because she cares about it that I do it. I don't like driving. In fact, I live less than a mile from the church and from the Kroger that I go to. I live in a one-mile radius. And it's not because I don't have a car that can make it. I just don't want to drive. I'd rather be at home more often. I've done that all my life. But in this COVID atmosphere, uh, Liz lives in Dayton, and there was a week where we didn't get to see each other. We were both visiting family. The next week, I didn't get to see her either because I'd been exposed to COVID. I don't have it, so don't freak out. I'm up here without a mask. I want to calm your nerves. But as soon as I got that COVID test back, we had had a FaceTime date scheduled. Uh, and I, I went and I drove and I surprised her, knowing I was going to have to drive right back after our dinner. But I drove because I wanted to be with her. Is that how we respond to God? You see, you may not have caught on to it when I said those things, but when you're in love, you're willing to give your time, your money, and your effort. Is that how we respond to our Lord? A short Bible verse, but a powerful one, is Philippians 4.4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The word rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. Do we feel great joy or delight in our Lord? See, I believe Paul said it twice because he knew we would need a reminder. It's so easy to get caught up in those other parts of Christianity. Pastor John Piper, has, he's a famous theologian, and if you received one of our little booklets, um, anyways, he's got this theology called Christian hedonism. Now, to be hedonistic means to be devoted to the pursuit of pleasure. But Piper, when he says Christian hedonism, he means being devoted to the pursuit of joy in God. He believes that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I'll say that one more time. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. If you're familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question says, what is the chief end of man? The answer to that question is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
Now think back to somebody who's madly in love. They are devoted to helping their loved ones succeed. They tell people about them all the time. And they desire to spend time with them. This is the appropriate response to the gospel. A love for God that results in us sharing our faith, acting in God's best interest, and considering how each action will affect his kingdom. So how do we get there? How do we respond in this way? First John 4, 7 through 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, while the scripture is pointed at brotherly love and loving one another, which we should do, there's a principle there. That principle is we can only love to the extent that we understand how much we were loved by God. So here's the good news. The answer is the gospel. That is how we respond appropriately to the gospel is by growing our understanding of the gospel itself. So if you're not loving God, dive deep into the gospel of Jesus Christ. See how deeply you were loved so that you can grow a deeper love for the one who first loved you. If you're not telling others about God, the answer is simple. Dive deep into the gospel of Jesus Christ and be reminded of the good news that saved you from your sins. Those sins have been forgiven, and now we are sons and daughters of Christ. Let that new revelation of good news fill your heart so that the only thing that can overflow from your mouth is the gospel. And the only thing that can overflow from your heart is loving one another. And then in one of the saddest times of the year, a lot of people are very cheerful during this time of the year, but some people, they really struggle during this time of year. It's one of the saddest times of the year is Christmas. And so I would say to that person, if you're struggling to love yourself, your answer is the same. Dive deep into the gospel. Be reminded of how deeply you are loved. Remember the price that was paid for you. The death of Jesus Christ. The perfect son of God. Let that reminder remind you of your worth when you feel worthless. Okay, Sam, dive deep into the gospel. It's the answer for all of them. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. Well, one, it starts with regularly reading your Bible. It's simple, but it works. And then consider how the scripture of the day points to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
and God's plan to redeem us. Discuss those findings with a friend. In fact, find a friend regularly and have them keep you accountable and vice versa. Your different perspectives of the gospel will extend your understanding of grace and the grace that we've both been shown. Consider an aspect of the gospel that you may have never considered before. For me, growing up, I grew up without a father. So it was really hard for me to see God as a loving father. And then I realized Jesus grew up without a biological father in a culture that emphasizes your worth based on who your father was. So in the same way, Jesus was ridiculed about not having a father. Or even yet, think about how Jesus' brothers thought he was crazy. I bet they had jokes for days. Oh, you're going to save the world. You're going to save us all, Jesus. Help, Jesus. I can't swim. Save me. They thought he was crazy until he died and he came back. And then they went on to write books about him in the Bible. And this is one of my personal favorites. I believe that whenever we speak it out loud, the gospel, whenever we speak it out loud or sing it out loud, that it connects to our brain, which connects to our heart and makes a change. And so one of my favorite things to do is sing a worship song that specifically emphasizes how deeply you are loved by God. I do that daily to remind myself because otherwise it doesn't hit home for me. Only when we consistently return to the gospel of Jesus Christ will we understand that it is the fundamental and then we will be able to truly rejoice in God. Only then will we be hashtag living our best life for the young kids out there. Only then will we be who God is calling us to be. I'll close with my favorite scripture in the Bible. It's the first scripture I ever taught on. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For God sent his one and only son on a rescue mission to die for our sins, to pay for our sins, and on the third day he rose from the grave so that we could be in a relationship with God. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Those who do not accept this son, they're already condemned, as John 3:18 said. But for those of you who put faith in that son, you're already a son and daughter of God. If that's you today and you haven't made that decision uh, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd welcome you uh, right there in your home if you're online, or right here in your pew, or in your car if you're listening to this on rebroadcast, to say this prayer with me. And for those of you who are already connected with God, maybe you already have a relationship and you just want to rededicate 
You can say this prayer along with me as well. God, I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, that you sent him to die and be raised again for me. I recognize Jesus as my Savior, and I give him lordship over my life. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, uh, would you let us know? We would love to connect you with our church here, but also help you connect with God and give you the resources to really dive deep into the gospel. If you're on Facebook and you're not here today, send us a message. We'll get in contact with you again. We would love to connect with you. If this is your first time here, or even your hundredth time here, I'd like to say if you're looking for a church home, we'd like to be that place for you today. I do want to say one thing. That prayer isn't magic. I had many a times where I said that prayer, but it wasn't until it sat in my heart and it was really true, those words, that it became reality. I was living with a false sense of security before. So if your heart is truly submitted to the Lord and you truly do see him as your Lord, capital L, and Savior, capital lowercase s, then you are saved. Here, our application for today is probably simple. I don't know if you caught it, but it's not deep into the gospel. Uh, regularly renew the love of God uh, in your heart. Be reminded of that love regularly. And um, I'll close this with prayer.